everybody, what's up? I'm Paige. And I'm Chris. And this is Animates. This is a early release exclusive reward for our Patreon members. Um, so if you're a Patreon supporter, you're getting this a little early. And if you're anybody else, well, you had to wait because you won't give us a dollar. So it is what it is. A dollar, <laughs> a dollar. We would love your patronage so that we can yes. expand and grow. But yeah, definitely. We mostly use it. It Many people don't know that it costs money. Like you have to pay hosting fees um, to like SoundCloud to have a podcast. So we just use it to cover that fee. Um, but anyway, thank you. Welcome. Uh, today we are going to be discussing the 1997 cult classic 20th Century Fox animated film Anastasia. Uh, directed by John Bluth and Gary Goldman. Anastasia, as you might remember, is a movie about a young girl who doesn't remember her... Well, okay, young. She's 18. She doesn't <laughs> remember her past and goes to discover it and gets swept in by some con men, thinking that she is the might be the lost princess Anastasia from the old... Uh, Tsar Dynasty, and they go on a trip across Europe, evading an evil wizard they don't know exists, <laughs> and eventually she is reunited with her last living relative, and uh, they kill the wizard, and that's it. <laughs> she gets married to the con man. <laughs> she, yeah, she chooses very unclearly to give up her royalty We'll get to it, but we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, if you, so that's the. If you're a millennial, if you're a millennial, you've seen this movie. Um, and I think that most millennials actually have quite an affection for this movie, even though I don't think it was actually that well received at the time. I'm not entirely sure. Um, so the the background of the production of this movie is that in '94. Don Bluth and Gary Goldman had signed a deal with 20th Century Fox to make movies for them. And just to make sure everyone's clear, Don Bluth is like the guy who made like The Secret of Nim and The Land Before Time and all that kinds of stuff. And Gary Goldman was his partner in that stuff, like in like All Dogs Go to Heaven and whatnot. Um, Don Bluth also famously... It was like he used to work for Disney and was like really bitter about it, <laughs> like really bitter about Disney. Right. So they signed a deal with 20th Century Fox. To make movies for them. And in the lead up to them producing a movie, the studio says you must choose from like a selection of a dozen of our previously existing properties, basically, to produce. and. What they really wanted to do was like My Fair Lady, but then they were like, My Fair Lady is just so iconic and Audrey Hepburn gave a great performance and the score is incredible. So we can't do that because there's just no way we could like live up to it. There's nothing we could do that's better than what actually is there, though. You may notice that they did include sort of Pygmalion type elements in this in this movie. But so they ended up deciding on doing Anastasia, which was based on a 1956 film that 20th Century Fox had produced, which was based on a somewhat earlier play 
of the same name about this story. Um, so that's how this like really bizarre subject matter for a children's movie ended up existing. And I have to say, it is a tour de force of the weirdest frickin' things combined into one. It's and, truly bizarre. Like, okay, this is where I, 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 I think I'm willing to acknowledge the power of nostalgia after having watched this movie as an adult. Oh, yeah. And, okay, they, there's... Um, Different types of therapy. It's DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, that has you try to hold conflicting things in your mind at the same time. And this is one of those cases where I'm holding two, I'm learning to hold like two conflicting things together, which is one, I fucking love this movie. I stand for this movie. And on the other hand, having watched it as an adult, this is objectively a movie that has a lot of problems it's a mess <laughs> it's a freaking mess so uh, this whole time you, there i will recognize to the audience there's that tension in me as i talk about this stuff i love this movie but it's a mess yeah someone something really interesting is apparently the 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 main research that they did of the actual events that are very loosely included in this movie uh was by uh cia agents from that were stationed in moscow and st petersburg they were like let's do the research we'll talk to the fucking cia because you'll definitely get an honest accounting of foreign matters from the cia Especially, like, you know, stuff that happened probably before these CIA agents were even born. Um, but okay. Um, so a quick rundown of the cast. This cast is, like, peak 90s hiring, like, stars of screen to do your voice acting. Um, regardless of whether or not that is actually a good decision um so we've got meg ryan as anastasia no one in this movie sings for themselves okay so we have meg ryan as anastasia her uh singing voice is um a lady named liz calloway um kirsten like when anastasia's a little girl she's kirsten dunst and when Anastasia's a little girl and she sings, she's a lady named Lacey Nicole Chabert, who is, oh my God, I knew I recognized her. She's Bianca from All My Children. <laughs> uh, um, from did, when I was a little girl. Did you watch a lot of All My Children? It was my mom's soap. My mom watched that soap from the time that she was a little girl until she was in her 30s. And so sometimes I would see that soap. <laughs> we were a general hospital household. Thank you very mm. much. Hmm. I see. I see. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, John Cusack plays Dimitri. Um, they don't say anything about the casting of Dimitri on, you know, Wikipedia. Um, uh, but I have my suspicions. They wanted Christian Slater for this role, um, and I will go into that later, but it seems very clear to me that they wanted Christian Slater for this role and not John Cusack. Um, 
he is his singing voice is provided by Jonathan Jokuchitz, who is a, a Broadway guy. Uh, Vlad, the portly former nobleman and partner of Dimitri, uh, is voiced by Kelsey Grammer. They would have and, had to have pulled him off of Frasier for this. Yeah, he damn. Was still, he was still making, I think, I'm pretty sure Frasier was still being made in... 97, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that was still airing, so, like, what a get. Um, an absolute <laughs> tour de force performance from Christopher Lloyd as uh, Rasputin, uh, singing voice provided by Jim Cummings, who's just, he's a guy who, like, Oh, he was the official voice of Winnie the Pooh since 1988. Oh, this guy. Oh, he passed recently. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Now I remember. Yeah. So that's a real, you know, he did an amazing job also. Uh, legend of legend of the small screen Hank Azaria as Bartok, the albino bat. <laughs> okay. So I definitely like, okay. Bartok is their attempt to have a funny animal. So we talked about yeah. this with, he is the gargoyles of, like, from Hunchback, he's the gargoyles of Anastasia. So, yes. again, like, despite, okay, despite the fact that apparently Don Bluth had beef with Disney, they clearly tried to fit that particular formula. They... Oh, yeah. They, you know... You can hate your market competitors, but they definitely were like, well, we have to, you know, we need we need a funny comedy relief talking animal. So, so yeah, apparently, apparently that and it, it makes total sense once you realize it. The part was written for Woody Allen, but then they decided not to cast him after the whole Soon Yi thing came out. Uh... They were like, never mind, we can't cast Woody Allen. <laughs> Gross. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, there you go. I, um, I do think, okay, I do think, I, I really have to, okay. So we've talked about this on the show before, but it started becoming a thing in the 90s when you would use star power to sell animation voice, like to sell animation to get people in the seats. And this wasn't as much of a Disney thing. This was more other people. So just like we talked about with Titan AE, this feels very much like Disney, like their attempt to compete with Disney by trying to use something else. And yes. God, the voice acting really suffers for it. Like Christopher yeah. Lloyd is the, and honestly, Kelsey Grammer does a pretty good job yeah like he i mean least... hank hank azaria obviously does a good job he is a seasoned voice actor you but know both grammar and uh lloyd have enough chops to do to try to do a russian accent i shit you not the main two characters anastasia and dimitri do not have a russian accent they don't even try yeah to do it. And it's clearly because they can't. Or they were big enough stars that they said, I don't want to do that. And they let them get away with it. So. Yeah. And like the, the thing is also about like Meg Ryan and John Cusack specifically as actors is that their whole thing, especially like because they both were like 
10 or 15 years into their career, like only 10 or 15 years into their career at the point where this movie was made. Their whole thing, especially at this point, was that they were kind of like cute and personable, you know, that it was just like they were the girl and boy next door was the whole thing for both of them. So I just don't understand why you think that that particular kind of vibe would translate appropriately into this sort of like high concept, like animated movie, you know? Yeah, I'm not willing to say that their performances are bad. I just think that the it you can I agree. I think you lose like that cute bubbliness. Like, I don't know. It does. There are times in Ryan's performance where it it works when her and Dimitri are bantering, it feels really good. But there are like other yeah. dramatic moments where there could be so much more gravitas and it just isn't there. Yeah. And it's what's interesting is like, I really like John Cusack. Like, like, you know, like I'm a huge fan of High Fidelity. A lot of his like, you know, John Hughes stuff from the 80s. I really like. But I just don't feel like, you know, it wasn't a bad performance. Obviously, he's a talented actor, but like it was a really weak performance from him, in my opinion. I yeah, they 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 will say I'll say this forever and ever. Do not hire actors as voice actors. Stop it. Bad. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get the spray bottle. I'm going to stop it. Hollywood comment. Yeah. Unless they're like a crossover talent like Hank Azaria or um, Mark Hamill, you know, where most people well, not it's this isn't the case with Hank Azaria, but like where people will mostly know them from their appearances in live action. But like they're they're seasoned voice actors, you know, you can't like, you know, for like I love Wes Anderson. I love everything that Wes Anderson has ever made, including Fantastic Mr. Fox. But I often wonder about the choice to hire George Clooney for Fantastic Mr. Fox, (laughs) you know? Yeah, George Clooney is, he's got George Clooney voice and George Clooney acting. That's all he Mm -hmm. does is just. Yes. (laughs) There's a Well, he just, he does an impression. He looks just like Cary Grant. So he just does a great impression of Cary Grant. And that's George Clooney. So, you know? for, okay, for those, like, I hope this doesn't get me canceled. There's a really great episode of American Dad, if you, if any of you have ever seen American Dad, where they make fun of George Clooney. If anything, you should go watch it, because it's a perfect takedown of George Clooney. Oh, um, I don't want to see that. I like George Clooney. <laughs> it's not a, no, it, the, the ultimate message is that he's actually an okay person, but it, hmm. it's still very funny. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen anything George Clooney has been in. So I think that really stop hiring actors as voice actors. Second, the people who did the singing carried the movie. Yeah, they were they were like real quick. Just the last couple of cast members, because they are like, wow, I can't believe they were in this movie. Um, Angela Lansbury as the Dowager Empress. And Bernadette Peters as uh, Cousin Sophie. So, like, real, like, real legends there for those roles. And and Angela Lansbury does a good job. She, again, does, yeah. does inflect, like, a Russian accent, too. Mm-hmm. We could talk about whether or not it's great, but it 
I think it's probably the best out of because she's clearly like you know for any of you who don't know Angela Lansbury is like a musical legend like a theater and uh, and she clearly has really good dictation work like very solid so her accent work is very soft like it, it doesn't force itself it sounds as natural as one can without probably you know actually trying to do that or be a russian yeah yeah it's super it's super gentle and it's honestly it's really a real shame that they only have like a really brief like about 30 seconds in which they give her the opportunity to sing because she was like you know the original member of the cast for like a whole bunch of you know different musicals including um a lot of Sondheim musicals you know she's she's really um uh she's really really legendary and she's incredibly talented um and it's like i think it's too bad that they cast her in this animated musical and didn't like give her the opportunity to sing really yeah for those of you who might not know she she does her one of the ones she's best known for for me at least is sweeney todd yeah she was the original recording of sweeney todd yeah but yeah it's okay so our cast isn't huge but we've got a lot of stuff to talk about with the setting because the setting <laughs> Ooh, doggy. oh boy okay so i this how is this story come about Paige? what who was anastasia okay so here's the real story right anastasia was the youngest daughter of Tsar Nicholas II of Russia and his wife. They had four daughters um, and then finally one son. Anastasia was the youngest of their daughters. During the Bolshevik Revolution, um, after they had been held in captivity for quite some time, the decision was made that in order to... I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be sympathetic to this decision here because that's not usually what people do. So for the sake of argument, let me be sympathetic to this decision. That in order to truly free the Russian people from the vestiges of divine right absolute monarchy and to prevent any kind of uh restoration like for example with the Orléans in France in the mid 19th century, they just needed to execute the czar and his family and eliminate any opportunity for you know some heir to come back and and marshal a force abroad with foreign money and try to you know uh restore the monarchy in russia so they did they 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 executed they took them down into the basement and they executed the entire family by firing squad um but they're for some reason or other when they when you know there was some confusion about the location of the bodies of anastasia and alexi probably because alexi was a hemophiliac no one ever seemed to think that alexi might be alive (laughs) um but there was some thought that maybe anastasia might be alive so in the 1930s in germany 
people witnessed a woman jump off of a bridge into a river. They pulled her out of the river. She was completely unable to communicate and seemed basically catatonic. She had no identification on her. And so they were forced to bring her to an asylum where people started to say, you know, she really looks a lot like the Grand Duchess Anastasia um, and started saying that. And so eventually she was like, yes, that's me. That's who I am. I'm the Grand Duchess Anastasia and was toured around Europe and this, that and the other. And um, then she like shows up in New York under the name Anna Anderson And they're like, what are you doing here? And she was like, well, I just didn't want people to bother me. Like, I didn't want all the publicity. But yes, I am. I'm Anastasia. I just, you know, didn't want people to bother me. Um, So she gets married and just like lives a life in America, um, still all the while insisting that she is, in fact, Anastasia, passes away in the 1980s, at which point they're like, well, she had a surgery and part of her intestines were removed. So we're going to do DNA testing, which proved conclusively she was not ever Anastasia. Fast forward to just a few years ago, they finally found the bones. They found Anastasia and Alexei. It's put to rest. They died along with the rest of their family. Something that is particularly interesting to me is in the cast, one that one of the other um, fake Anastasias in the movie is actually the character they have her named, Anna Anderson. Um, but that was the basis of all of the stories of an Anastasia who has toured around Europe was this young woman who um, was eventually she was a, she was a Polish woman who had disappeared around the same time this woman jumped into a river and had a history of mental illness. So that's that story. And this is the story that they dared to make the tagline, discover the adventure behind the greatest mystery of our time. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) The greatest mystery of our time. Really? There aren't any others that are better than that? Like, not UFOs? Uh, let's make a musical about the Lindbergh baby or yeah, something. The, the Lindbergh baby, Roswell, um, fucking how, like, they made, I can't believe it's not butter. Like, <laughs> partially hydrogenated oil, Chris. <laughs> no, it's made from crude oil. Have you. That go look it up. It's a stupid myth um, that my friends continue to perpetuate, I think, to troll me. So with this, we have this, the, the historical background. Now, second to this, which, again, thank God Paige is here, is what's a czar? And oh, yeah. OK, so it's like I can give you the background on the actual revolution. I give you the background on Rasputin, too, because let me tell you what they made Rasputin look like a bitch compared to real Rasputin. So, OK, the czar, the czar, it um, it is it's the Russian derivation of the word Caesar, just like Kaiser and all that other stuff. It's the king. It's the king of Russia. Russia had a divine right, absolute monarchy, that because Russia was, um, due to various factors, uh, behind Western Europe in terms of capitalist development and technological development, 
they had not experienced the bourgeois revolutions that kicked off during the 17th century in England with the English Civil Wars, and probably the best example of which is the French Revolution. Um, so what happens, and this goes into actually like Marxist theory too, is that, you know, you have this monarchy and then you have a bourgeois revolution where the capitalist class um, seizes and secures certain rights and what are called liberal freedoms for themselves and to a lesser extent for the rest of society. And in Marxist theory, that then allows people the freedom that is needed to organize for a later socialist revolution. So that bourgeois revolution had not happened in Russia. They were still a pretty firmly feudal society where the monarch was still considered to have the divine right of kings that his he was ordained by god to rule and that his rule word was law and that there was no other authority but the kings that all authority came from the king and this was beginning to be a problem <laughs> in russia and so the whole of the late 19th century is kind of a story of political and social unrest in russia as they try and figure out how to transition um, because, you know, the monarchs prior to Nicholas had been wanting to turn west and sort of westernize themselves and become more like a Western European power. And Nicholas, who actually was never supposed to be king, he was like a third son. There was a whole big, long thing, was actually extremely conservative and kind of wanted to turn back some of the stuff that had been done. So there's like a like several decades of just conflict. Well, not several decades with Nicholas specifically, but, you know, of him trying to work with the the nascent bourgeoisie of his country to um, sort of pacify them. And so they introduced like a parliament that was called the Duma. He kept dissolving it. It was a whole thing. And so I think it's really important to note going into this is part of the reason that the socialist, the socialist and communist um, sectors of that society kind of decided like we just have to skip the bourgeois revolution and just like really go for it is because it had been made very apparent that nicholas was never going to make any concessions they he kept like making them and going back on his word there had been an attempted bourgeois revolution that had completely failed a lot of people died and said so they were like okay the only way forward you know the only way out is through like, we just have to, like, really go for it, you know? So basically, they didn't pregame. They showed up to the bar and just did 10 shots right yeah, away. Yeah, basically. Okay. Basically. <laughs> yeah, great. Then, like, speed run, socialist revolution, any percent completion. Um, yeah. So, all right. So I feel like that is important context for one of the angles of this movie that we both immediately observed right in the fucking prologue is this very like sympathetic view of how beautiful it was to be 
not okay not a noble in Russian the czar's, aristocracy yeah, yeah in the czar's family like <laughs> mm-hmm. oh the the glittering balls and everything was so enchanting literally it was so glittery <laughs> like everything was sparkling and as a kid you're just like holy shit yeah wow look it's so everything is so pretty and there's so the much opulence gold, of it the opulence and meanwhile like People are being violently oppressed by this dude and his family and their cronies. And they make it seem like when they revolt, it's like the fires of unrest. It's like, no, the legitimate anger that these people have at your oppressive government. I don't know. Like, so so we'll, we'll visit that. So what happens in that revolution page? Um, the complete overthrow of the Tsar's family. So basically what happens is initially they're taken captive and they're held prisoner for quite some period of time before they are eventually executed. Um, the particular socialist sect known as the Bolsheviks comes to power under the leadership of Vladimir Lenin, and they uh, become the United Soviet Socialist Republics rather than Russia, and they, like, withdraw from World War One and all kinds of other stuff like that. Right, so the beginning of the movie takes place ten years after this. Like, the, I don't know what night in question, if there's a specific name for the night where they take everybody captive. I'm not sure. But ten years after that night, Anastasia is trying to escape with the Dowager Empress. And so just to make very clear... The main action of the film takes place in 1927. Yeah, so 1917 then would be... Yeah, the revolution happened in 1917. Yeah, so she gets conked on the head and whoopsie forgets her past, which is not how it works. So... <laughs> I didn't I didn't notice that at first. We were watching the movie I'm like, why can't she fucking remember anything? She was eight years old. She was like fully a person. <laughs> So she gets, she fell down. So apparently that's why she gets not. Yeah, she falls down. Apparently gets hit on the head and has some of that very convenient uh, retrograde amnesia and goes to an orphanage and is raised as a normal person. So um, basically, the movie takes place at the beginning of the USSR, like yeah. ten years later, where they sing it's, a very a pointed song about how much it sucks to live in Russia. They're like, everything sucks so much since the revolution. It's like, everything was way better for you fucking peasants after the revolution. What the shit? Like, it's like conclusively like, oh, so much has been written about how much happier people were. Yeah. So, USSR. so we, um, yeah, I, I think there are a couple, like, we might as well lean into it now because it's talked. So there's, a lot of stuff that is very clearly written about Russia from the perspective of people who grew up during the Cold War. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. So it's actually it, it's a really interesting like immediate because like the Soviet Union actually was dissolved in 1991. Right. So like this is it's a really interesting like immediate post-Soviet situation where it's like, OK, well, now technically we're friends with them and they're not commies anymore. So I don't we don't want to make the the commies the villain 
because we don't a lot of those people are people that we're trying to work with now to transition them to be like us so we won't make we won't make like vladimir lenin the villain of this film but we still need to like get in some like weird ideological propaganda about how much communism sucks (laughs) and and i mean to some extent like again i think this is probably the case where these people aren't like I, w- I don't I wouldn't call them ideologically capitalist. I think they're just people who grew up in a they're capitalist. not like cold. They're not like cold warriors. You know, they just like are completely uncritical of the main ideological viewpoint of the United States. I've never heard the term cold warrior before, and I fucking love that. Thank oh, yeah, you. it's a helpful term. Yeah. <laughs> so. So, yeah, they, they have sort of like a very typical like, oh, wouldn't it suck to live in Russia? Like and it's communist so we've got but it like has like de facto it's the it has the effect of indoctrinating these children into like the majority viewpoint in the united states so yeah like there's that whole part where um you know they have their falsified papers for traveling everything in this country has to be red yeah, and it's like they learned that like the color of the ink of the of the travel of the passports was changed since they um ma- made their forgeries and so like that's a problem for them and it somehow becomes a criticism of the government of the USSR. It's like these criminals have forged false tra- like passports to travel illicitly for criminal purposes. And they, like, did a bad job of researching their forgery, and somehow this is a criticism of the government of the USSR. <laughs> like, okay, hold, holy shit. Like, I know, like, they are obviously con men, which, like, by modern standards, fraud, right, is a crime. Yeah. I just, I, you just, like, did the, like, the 3D cube rotation for me. <laughs> Where it's like, holy shit, you're right. These are criminals yeah. complaining about how hard it is to be a criminal. To do their crimes, to like <laughs> illegally travel for criminal purposes. Like it's literally, they're like, it's like, imagine it's like the modern, it's like, oh my God, I'm going up to customs. I'm go- going to another country with a forged passport and i'm going to customs and i realized i fucked up my forgery and they might not let me through this government is the worst why do they keep changing things about the passports oh thank you for that 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 i feel like that was very important for me to realize (laughs) so yeah they will and okay so the first song saint petersburg is gloomy saint petersburg is bleak I've been standing frozen working here all week. Like, okay, yes, it would probably suck to work in a rundown building, but let's not pretend that people didn't used to do that in, like, 1920s New York. Yeah, or that, like, the, like, demands on the time of, like, a surf during the, like, reign of the czar were not worse than that, you know? that okay that's what gets me is like when i think of like dingy bad working conditions i think of like the late 1800s or like early 1900s people live like they've got all the black and white photography of people they work in like the dingiest unsafe canning or textile factories yeah exactly like the dangerous working conditions were like perpetuated by the capitalists like things were 
Like for the average serf in Russia, things were immediately a lot better under the USSR than they were under the czar. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm sure we're going to, I'm sure somebody's going to have the comment. It's like, but what about Stalin? Which I'm not. A I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm not a tank. I'm, I'm not, not a, tanky a tanky either. But like, I think that's like. Stalin was later. Lenin never wanted Stalin to be able to take over. Um, and there's like there's also the argument to which it's like, well, you know what? Stalin won World War II. And also a lot of the really fucked up things that happened under him were perpetuated by some of his administers, administrators who were immediately murdered after Stalin's death. And also all that shit immediately. It didn't happen under Lenin and it immediately stopped after Stalin. <laughs> so... I don't think it's fair to say that that like that to characterize the entire existence of the Soviet Union with the worst abuses under Stalin. Yeah, fucking FDR put people in internment camps and exactly Teddy Roosevelt oversaw like an invasion of Cuba. Yeah, like I don't exactly or like Andrew Jackson in the Trail of Tears. Like, so let's be careful. <laughs> right yeah exactly exactly and it's like i just want to like i want to make it very clear that like while i do not agree with the uh human rights abuses to to citizens of ussr under stalin he fucking won world war ii that was him that was stalin in the ussr that wasn't us <laughs> but Paige, we dropped the bombs if you want to talk about a fucking crime against humanity. We, dude, I love this part where like, okay, I'm not going to go on this tangent. This is not the time. If we ever do Grave of the Fireflies, that will be the time where we okay. talk about this. Needless to say, uh, the short version is, did we have to drop both bombs? There's no. an argument that nope, nope, nope. We didn't need to drop any bombs. So... <laughs> You know, everybody's like, but a land invasion. Well, read, read, go read some history and then we'll come back and talk about read it. Read some history about the actual negotiations for surrender there and what was going on with those. But anyway, so um, it's interesting. They don't make any, like, Soviet officials the villain of this movie. And I think that's very much to do with, like, the place that we were at diplomatically with Russia at the moment. But there is a lot of just sort of like, sort of like uncritical um, repetition of American, you know, propaganda about what it was like in the Soviet Union. Um, you know, probably not surprising given that you know, their, their main sources for the, any research were the fucking CIA. <laughs> I still can't believe that. That's still. Yeah. Listen, if you want to research how to overthrow a democratically elected government, go talk to the CIA. But otherwise, like, I don't know if I would trust my history. Or how to like drive someone insane until they like run through a plate glass window on the 30th floor of a building or, you know, something like that. Like CIA is really great for that kind of information. I would be worried about being put on a watch list if so many television shows, radio shows, and movies hadn't already made the exact joke that I had just made. 
Oh, yeah. I'm like, look, here's the deal. We're on a watch list already. Every single one of us is on a watch list. We're all being surveilled at all times. So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. Yep. So. More stuff than just that. But like, I feel like the prop. So the prop. It, this kind of stuff comes up really early in probably the first what, like half hour. It's really strong. And then once yeah. they leave Russia, it like stops vanishes completely because yeah. at that point they're more focused on character development than they are just like hey let's get these people together and, and out of yeah Russia. it's like they're doing pygmalion they're doing enemies to lovers trope um they're doing like weird magical bad things happening and them not realizing that an evil wizard is after them <laughs> Ooh, let's talk about rasputin let's talk about rasputin <laughs> Rasputin is not just the topic of a very catchy 1970s funk song. Disco tune. From Germany. (laughs) Yes, so Rasputin, the real history of Rasputin is that Rasputin was sort of a mystic. Um, He was, you know, he was a Russian peasant. He was kind of like a... Um, a mystic of sorts and he ended up coming into the orbit of the family of the czar due to the fact that their son Alexei and um, the heir to the throne had hemophilia um, you know you you may have seen that chart about fucking Queen Victoria and all her grandchildren and great grandchildren throughout Europe and how a bunch of them fucking had hemophilia. He's one of them. Um, So he had hemophilia. He was a very sickly child. It wasn't as much like you see in TV where it's like he would cut himself and bleed and bleed and bleed. It would be more like he fell down and it would create a massive hematoma that would put him in a lot of pain and take a really long time to heal. So... They're, they had tried everything and they were just desperate. And so they ended up, you know, working with this this mystic Rasputin, who um, they believed could could help their son. Uh, and then it just got to the point where. The people around the imperial family um, were unhappy with the level of influence that Rasputin was exerting over the royal family, they had problems with that, basically. Um, and also he was, you know, he he took bribes, he took sexual favors. There's pretty strong evidence to suggest that he was actually a rapist. Um, and so basically he ended up in... Uh, because he was, like, related to the Russian Orthodox Church, like, he was, like, accused of all kinds of shit by the church, uh, you know, like, heresy and shit, um, and basically, like, all of these critics, they're like, we don't want to have Rasputin influencing the Tsar and his family anymore, we need to get him out of here, and also just, like, really a lot of stuff about him being a rapist. Um, like really a lot and potentially, and there were all kinds of rumors that he, um, was involved in sexual relationships with the queen and with potentially the elder 
princesses, but there's less. That's unsubstantiated, basically. So they got together. They, they, the, you know, the the people who were disgruntled got together and tried to kill him. Yeah, they tried to kill him. It didn't work. He gets defrocked. He gets like sort of like he's being pushed out more and more. Um, But then they're just really like, we really need to fucking kill this guy. And so (laughs) what happens is they are like, come have tea and cakes. And the cakes are poisoned with cyanide. Rasputin eats them and he's like, fine. Uh, And then he's like, Rasputin's like, can I have some wine? And they poison the wine and he drinks three glasses and he's still totally fine. Um, so then they're like, well, Jesus Christ, like he's not dying. So they shoot him in the chest and, um, he's still fucking fine. They're trying to like, (laughs) they're trying to deal with, you know, how to like make it look like they didn't murder him. But like, oh man, they go back downstairs and he leaps up and he starts to like attack the guy who is like trying to assassinate him. He runs out. He, they shoot him again. He collapses. They like like they shoot him a third time in the head they wrap his body in cloth and they throw it into the river and then they later found his body in the river and they did an autopsy which showed that there was water in his lungs which means that he was alive when he got thrown into the river and his final cause of death was drowning so maybe what what this all means is that Rasputin was actually magic yeah, I was about to say, like, that that's the kind of shit you see in a horror movie where they just can't kill the killer, so they have to, like, throw a, a stack of C4 on them and they're still walking type magic. So yeah. I, I, that and maybe uh, he stored all of his blood in his big old dick. Yeah, and I was about to say, famously giant cock, which was preserved and is displayed in the museum. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that that i shouldn't gravitate to that as being the best part of that story but it 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 i can't help it i'm sorry yeah further proof he got a devil deal yeah for sure so it's like in this movie they make rasputin like they really lean into like the mystic thing and they make it they, this movie is very sympathetic to the czar and his family because like he shows up at the fancy ball and he's like why won't you be my friend anymore and czar's like friendship with rasputin ended like <laughs> you know never come in this house ever again um and so rasputin like curses them all or whatever um and he just uh like basically what happens to Rasputin is he's on some ice and the ice breaks and he falls down into it and that's how he dies and it's like that makes Rasputin look like a bitch it was way harder to kill him than that um but he like is undead because he made a deal with the devil or whatever for his magical power the metaphysics of this movie are a fucking mess like it it, it He's in some kind of pocket dimension, it seems like. That's unclear to me. Yeah, okay. Because his curse remains unfulfilled, but I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. is he in limbo because of his deal? Is he in limbo because the deal 
allowed for him to kill them, but they aren't dead, so he died, but he has a way to come back. Like, what's going on here? This is a I very, don't understand. This is a very soft, messy magic system. I think you need to clarify yeah. your rules Harden here. it up. Harden it up. Yeah. yeah you know, and also, like, I'm just going to say, Rasputin's way too fucking scary for children. They really lean into the fact that he's dead, so he's like a rotting corpse, and parts of his body are just, like, falling off all the time. And it's great and hilarious, but, like, very scary. <laughs> Yeah, and he dies by dissolving in one of the most upsetting on-screen deaths in an animated film I think I ever have seen. They take their time with it, too. It's it's sort of like that one from Infinity Train. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. But, like, longer. Yeah, yeah. It takes, like, a full 30 seconds. Yeah. So this is one of those times where... They probably should have toned it down because it's rated fucking G. And yeah, that, is for not sure. a, that is not a rated G thing. Yeah, like it's always like, you know, it's like his like, like, like his head like pops off and stuff. And most of the time it's like not very gory, but kind of the worst part is when he like his like rotted hand like shoots way out from his body to grab something and then snaps back on the tendon. That's rough. That part's rough. <laughs> and this was released on Thanksgiving. Holy shit, really? <laughs> well, yeah, because the bottom of the poster, it's, so you know how the modern meme is, like, thick, but it's, like, T space, H space, I, uh, you know. Yeah. The, it's a meme to put a space between words to add emphasis. That's what yeah. they do, and it's just all caps. Thanks. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> so they really Incredible. Wanted, they really wanted to emphasize that this was a Thanksgiving movie, <laughs> which doesn't make any fucking sense. It's really more of a Halloween vibe. <laughs> well, but then it's got the song Once Upon a December, so you think it would have been released mm-hmm. around Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And it's all snowy because, you know, it's always snowing in Russia no matter where you are. Okay, I know we already talked about the propaganda part, but I have to circle back. Honorable mention, the fact that it's super snowy until literally they cross the second they get to Germany. The second they get to Germany. It is green and lush and fucking idyllic. Like clearly it's summer. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, guys, Russia's big, and yeah, Russia's cold, but you know where the vast majority of the population of Russia lives? In that little stretch of land that's in continental Europe. They live in Europe. It is no colder than Sweden or Norway or lots of parts germany so why is it always snowing in russia it doesn't make any fucking sense oh my god also her hair grows like eight inches when they get to to germany like it's like because it's like okay they have her with her they have this like this cute little short ponytail and like there are pieces that hang out at the bottom and she has like little bangs but it's very clearly the ponytail is up on top of her head and it's maybe two or three inches long she has short hair she has a fucking short bob and then she gets to europe and all of a sudden she has long flowing hair like down to the middle of her back i'm like did they give her extensions like what happened do they have extensions back then? I don't know. I don't know if they had extensions back then. Probably. Wigs have existed for millennia, so yeah, they, they, those are probably a thing. 
it's still even to this day mostly the way that you get extensions they sew them in so like yeah probably they probably did but yeah it's they don't show that as part of her makeover like her getting extensions so i don't i don't i don't understand that um understand that at all um but anyway so rasputin like you know she she breaks into the old white palace and is like dancing around in a ghostly ball trying to like remember her past and bartok the talking bat is standing right there being like oh da, 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 da. and he's like oh the magical tube of souls is coming back to life um so that must mean she really is anastasia and so he goes on down to hell to talk to Rasputin. <laughs> Rasputin's like, ah, I have to kill Anastasia. Ah. And uh. <laughs> I have to use the most circuitous indirect methods possible that are still also somehow incredibly ostentatious. Like, <laughs> I'm okay, I'm not going to blow out a bridge. I'm going to create a giant bat creature that blows out the bridge. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to crash the train. I'm going to make the train engine too hot. And that <laughs> is going to crash the train. Yeah, it's really interesting because it's like the like soul bats from the tube are like clearly sentient because like our little crew of scrappy con men will be like, oh, OK, here's a way that we can save our lives. And then immediately the bats will be like, JK, no, you can't. <laughs> You can't do it that way. <laughs> They're being proactive. <laughs> They're staying one step ahead. So with, with this, I, I, Rasputin's interesting because unlike most villains, he's in the background unknown for like three fourths of the movie. Even and it's like the last 10 minutes that suddenly he's like, ha ha, I'm here. <laughs> like, which is fine in a way, like, I don't know. It's fine. But then like. At the end of the movie, there's a showdown between Anastasia and Rasputin, and only the audience has the necessary background for that to be cathartic, but they make yeah. Anastasia remember who he is at the last moment, and they make it seem like this... Think, okay, like, really think about that scene. It's a fucking mess, because they don't know who it's this guy is, they yeah. don't know that magic is real, and mm -hmm. they get into... A battle with a dude that has a talisman that shoots lasers and bats and makes horses come to life from statues. And they, they just fucking roll with it. They go with it, yeah. And then, like, the catharsis of the scene is, like, possibly my least favorite trope of all time. Um, I hate it. It's so tacky and cheesy and it's just it makes me mad whenever I see it. But she like puts this talisman on the ground and she's stamping on it with her little foot. Not even very hard. And she's like, this is for my family. This is for Dimitri. Like, this is for me. And then like it cracks and he um, dissolves. <laughs> OK, OK. He literally this is fucking unreal. He sits on his knees right in front of her yeah and he lets her do it yeah he is bigger than her he doesn't throw his Rasputin body was an enormous man <laughs> he doesn't throw his body at her he doesn't like try to he he makes one attempt to like uh like grab uh like just the tiniest little try grab and that's it he doesn't try to stop her any other way it is the most lazy 
like, saccharine solution to that entire problem. Just, uh, and then, like, Dimitri gets fully brained on the back of the head by a fucking piece of, like, mortar work, like, the size of, like, a bowling ball or bigger, and he just, like, is unconscious for, like, a minute, and then he's totally fine. I'm like, dude, his brains would be, like, all over the bridge. It would be, like, her weeping and trying to, like, gather his bits of his skull into her hands. Like, okay, he would not that survive. is upsetting. That's upsetting. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. That would be the case. That would fucking, like, bash his brains in if that happened. Um. Alright, so another thing that's a mess, so besides the ending is like the animation. So the oh animation God. is both good and bad. It's, it's hard. It's rough, yeah. It's really hard to describe because there's a lot that I like about it, especially compared to Disney. A lot of the postures that they do or like motions are very flashy and mm -hmm. like they do changing expressions while heads are moving, which is something that sometimes looks really great. But I don't know why... They just, they get it right like 70% of the time. Yeah. And then the other 30% so, the, the is like their faces are just wrong. It's a fucking disaster, dude. It's like, so there's, there's stuff that they do that like literally in, in sort of the beginning when Anastasia is having her little like going on a journey to the past thing, right? Um, they, she does this thing and I'm like, oh, that was really show offy because she like, like skids through the snow and like kicks up snow. And like, that was clearly like really challenging to animate. Like I was like, this was very show offy, like the natural movement of the snow. And like, that was like difficult to do. Um, so it's like really impressive in that way. But then like, it's just like, they tried to do a lot of like, the 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 way that the the figures are drawn is much more naturalistic than especially like the current disney aesthetic where all of the women look like pretty bugs um you know so their facial their their facial features are more you know appropriately sized to an actual human being and so they try and do these really naturalistic facial expressions that change quickly while people speak and while the head moves in three-dimensional space, which are all really, really, really challenging things to animate. And they pull it off sometimes and it looks really good. But I think that for a lot of the time, the technology and the skill of the animator, like we're just not, we're just not there. And so it ends up looking fucked up. Like, it's like, oh, my God, what happened to his face just now? Well, and I think, like, to, like, it works quite a bit. That's what, that's the problem. Like, when you bake a cake and, like, 70% of it is good, but, like, a third of it looks like collapsed in garbage, the good parts make the garbage more noticeable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I also think like there's so like for one, it's like it's early digital animation. It's sort of like a weird combination of like CGI and hand animation, which like often makes it look like very uncanny valley um, and kind of unsettling. And also 
they it was during that period of time where they wanted to make the character models look like the voice actors, but they weren't consistent with it. You know? It's one of yeah, and and I I mean I know that like for example, they tried to make Anastasia sometimes look like Meg Ryan and other times look like the actual Anastasia. And then other times like the singer who sung for Anastasia, so it's just like all over the place. Yeah, she's not consistent in what she looks like. And then with um with with Dimitri, John Cusack's character, that character model looks like Christian Slater. Like he looks just like Christian Slater. And even the performance that they have Cusack do is Christian Slatery. Um, and so I think part of the issue is that there are some moments where it's like, okay, they tried to like paste John Cusack on top of Christian Slater here. <laughs> you know? Right. And it just like looks real like Dimitri is the most fucked up looking of any of the characters by far. <laughs> there there are times where his mouth is in just the 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 wrong position. <laughs> just like half like the it looks like it's about to fall off his face. Well, like, and sometimes I'm like, did his cheekbone just get, like, broken and healed in the span of 30 seconds while he was talking? What happened to the shape of his skull just now? <laughs> yeah, so our our working theory is that they they went back and they tried to redo some of the animations to make it look like John Cusack, and that caused the the problem. Yeah. Yeah, because it doesn't look anything like John Cusack, you know? Um, so that's like, that's something that's like really noticeable, I would say. Like, to, like it's noticeable to the point that I'm sure that like people, like adults who don't watch a lot of animation might watch that and be like, that didn't look right. That doesn't look right. <laughs> Though I think we are overestimating the amount that adults pay attention when their kids are watching movies. That's true. Well, I mean, like, if they were paying attention, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, five parents in that movie theater would be like, hmm, that doesn't look right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say also in, in, you know, in keeping with the vast majority of of children's musicals, the villain's song is by far the best song. Yeah, well, I don't know. I've always been partial to Once Upon a December, which is her I Want song. Well, it's like, she gets, um, two, she gets like, that's not, is it, would it be an I Am song? Yeah, all of her songs are I Want songs. I don't know. Um, like, she goes on a journey to the past to find out who she is. And then she sings a song about like wanting like family and love, but also maybe that's a good song because it's like minor key. It's like kind of like haunting and 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 like gives you gives you chills. So that one's that one's really good. Um, But like in terms of just like being like, man, I'm digging this song. I think that uh, Rasputin's is the best. Yeah. In the duck of the night, evil will find her. Ooh, <laughs> They've got I all these background the singing, singing bugs. bugs. Yeah, that's the first time I realized that like all the little bugs that march around are actually singing and it's great. Um, but also uh, 
there's this weird part there where it's like there's like sexy ladybugs who do like these weird body rolls and i don't know how to feel about that <laughs> um other shout Not out sexy ladybugs sexy lady bugs yeah um shout out to okay i do think it was really 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 cool how they did was it Sarah or monet but they when they went to france all the backgrounds Point to list backgrounds, was, yeah. Was point they were all drawn point in pointillism and it was great. Like it was really, it was really cool, yeah. It was a really nice touch. Um they sang a song about France being Paris holds the key to your heart. Boo do 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 it's like a very I, I don't know whether it should like be let's good. go to a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When you're feeling blue, come to Le Moulin. <laughs> <laughs> just like hey yeah if you're feeling down go to the uh, that song also has a ton of european cameos from that period of time like, yeah like I'm, sigmund freud shows up i'm pretty sure monet was the painter is either monet or Seurat. okay he had a very long white beard yes um there was like a dude who's like a rose is a rose, and I know that's from something. I don't fucking know what it's from. Mm-hmm. Some chick with a cheetah. Gertrude Stein. Oh. Anyway, who knows? But yeah. that's a great. That's a great scene. Um, what else? What else are honorable mentions? Uh, oh, Anastasia falls in love with Dimitri. Makes sense. She's 18. He's like 20 or the same age. So like, of course, if two young people travel for any length of time together, they fall in love. It's just. And there's lots of opportunities for misattribution of arousal. Right. So it's it's total, total, you know, we, we really need uh, fucking. Sandra Bullock's character from Speed to be like relationships built under intense situations never last. <laughs> um, but anyway, at the end of the movie, her grandma's like, you can stay with me or you can be with him. I support you. And they make it seem like she has to give up her Roy, like being with her grandma to go be with her man. And it's yeah. so weird. Yeah, and they said, like, at the end, it's like, oh, they eloped, and we'll 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 see him soon. Let them go, like, do their thing. But I'm like, I don't fucking understand this false choice that's being set up here, because it's like, like, you know, it's just like, like, oh, he's like, she's a royal, and she can't be with this commoner or whatever. I'm like, royal of fucking what, dude? Russia, the empire, Russian empire does not exist anymore. There is no power structure. She is the princess of an enclave of a couple dozen fucking, like, you know, exiles in Paris that just get together and have fucking fancy parties and eat caviar. Like, just like, what's, there's no, they might give her the side eye if she, like, married a commoner, but, like, there's nothing, there is nothing to give up. Like, it doesn't make any sense. They, yeah, I I guess if that, I feel like the part, once they get to Paris, the plot kind of goes every which way. It just falls apart, dude. And 
I just like I, I as a kid it's just so tight in my head but as an adult it just there's so many inconsistencies here that I'm wondering if there were like scenes that they cut that make some of that stuff make sense or but it starts to drag and get really weird. Like, I, like in my head from when I was a kid, when they go to the ballet is the resolution. But that's not like there's still like 20 more minutes of movie. <laughs> Look at that point. Um, it's just like it doesn't. Yeah, it's it gets really um, loose. They really needed to tighten it up. So uh, is there anything else? of interesting to note here before um, we kind of wrap it up because I, I think unless I can be reminded of something for the most part those are like the really big things that stick out to me um I find the the number of just like really lazy fat jokes to be upsetting but um I do appreciate that when um Thick Vlad arrives to Paris um to meet up with Thick Sophie it shows their beautiful thick love. Yeah, it's so pre- <laughs> my Russian flower. And yeah, they they have a, they have a very beautiful dynamic going on which it's okay it's really fucking weird that vlad never mentions that before they get there yeah at all that they're like they're 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 uh clearly in a long-term situation ship <laughs> and okay oh when they're trying out actresses for anastasia there is one yeah. person who gets up on stage <laughs> smoking a cigarette and she's like grandma it's me Anastasia. And, and it's like it's like she drops she's wearing a giant fur coat and when she says Anastasia, she like drops it to reveal like a little like sailor school uniform. It is so to this day it continues to be absolutely hilarious. That has always stuck in my head because like even as a kid, you know enough to know that that is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really funny. Um what else? The okay, I have a really big problem. Like when Rasputin goes to the surface, he doesn't just like zap Anastasia on the head. Like he clearly has the power to do that, but he refuses to do it. Feels the need to showboat. Yeah, but it okay. Like there's villain showboating, and then there's like him. Like there's there's a limit to how plausible that trope is. Like, they made him way too powerful and then, like, just didn't use any of that power appropriately, yeah, basically. Ex- exactly. So th- he should have had no problem killing her. There were, like, five times where he could have just, like, killed her straight up and it would have been fine. Why didn't those little bat things just rip her to shreds? They clearly... Yeah, like, why'd they need to trick her to jumping off the boat into the sea? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it... Like, if they had explained, like, this magic works on old-style curses, which are always circuitous. Yeah. I would have been like, okay, old-world magic, sure, fine. But they didn't explain any of that, and so I'm left wondering, again, what are the rules, man? Like, how many gigawatts of energy do you need to charge up one of those little bat things? Like, 
Sorry, Chris, say it, say it right. It's gigawatts. <laughs> I'm I'm a really big fan of hard magic systems. So, no, me too. Me too. One of my favorite magic systems of all time is the one in the Aragon books, where there's like a 30 page segment where he sits and contemplates like how to like prevent himself from breaking his hand when he hits stuff magically without like accidentally killing himself. That's very important. That's very yes. Conservation of energy is is. Yeah, exactly. What's like really great about those books is they're like, okay, anything that you do with magic, you have to have been able to do eventually physically, or it you won't have enough energy to do it and you'll die. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Anastasia, Anastasia. So like, why do people love this movie so much? Like, let's do kind of like a retrospective because despite all of its problems, I do still like it. I I am willing to is still accepted into my pantheon of favorite kids' movies. Like, what is it? Like, despite all of the issues, is it just that the music is really fucking good? Like, is that what it is? I think that, um... Never underestimate the power of a saucy redhead, for one. Um, and I think... A lot of the Bluth movies are cult favorites because they're, like, just a little bit darker than Disney movies. And this one is like that, too. And I think, even though I was sitting here being like, Rasputin is way too scary for kids, when I saw it as a child, I was not scared. And I think that there's a level on which kids, like, appreciate the ones that are, like, a little bit scarier that are a little bit darker that um you know because it's like that's the that's the kind of movie that you watch as you're going from like toddlerhood into elementary school and i think that there is a degree to which kids appreciate not being treated like a baby anymore you know um and i think it also just fit the format it fit the format of all of the disney renaissance movies like exactly like it hit like even though like looking at it now the plot is a mess like it still hit all those notes you know right and to some extent i think that animation aside the backgrounds are all like very detailed very good it's very sparkly <laughs> there's yeah i i would say there's like a charming quality yeah to the aesthetic of the bluth movies there just is oh like, yeah yeah absolutely their cgi was clearly trying to do too much mm-hmm. but that's a good like they were trying to push the medium i feel like and i can honestly res- i think maybe part of the problem is they spent too much money on the once upon a december scene because that looks fucking beautiful it looks great yeah, it really it It's really uncanny valley, but it looks good. But <laughs> it works for the aesthetic of that song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think it it's just charming. I don't know, that's all I can say. Like I feel like yeah. it still hits that it, it's a charming movie that like for all the things we said about Meg Ryan, I feel like her energy does work in the context of the whole movie. She's like very sassy. Like that, okay. She's not an insipid character like a lot of Disney princesses were. He's spunky. Yeah. Like, Cinder. Who the fuck was Cinderella? Like, yeah. really? Even mm-hmm. somebody, like, I. 
what did we have for Disney princesses? Like Jasmine was cool, but she was I I don't know. I, I think like- okay, like the official Disney princesses are Snow White, Cinderella, and they they also become progressively more of a person. Snow White, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, um Jasmine, Ariel, Pocahontas, Mulan, um, I think Tiana became an official Disney princess. All right. The, out, of, out of that list, like, I love Jasmine. Pocahontas and Mulan are, like, the most people. Yeah. And, like, they get better. Like, Tatiana is, like, they, like once they get, once we get past the 90s, like, they, you know, they continue to sort of, like, be, be more of a person. Um, um, despite all of the problems with Pocahontas as a movie, she is a character was pretty baller. Well, and she, well, the part of it is like people would be like, oh, she doesn't see, she doesn't like say much or she doesn't seem like she's, I'm like, no, she's like tough and independent. And that was like a very weird, that was like a very weird Disney princess to have. Yeah, Because usually sure. they're like fawning over, she wasn't fawning over dudes and. No, yeah. She was into that dude, but mostly she was like. I cannot allow this man to be murdered. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like Anastasia is a person with like she's funny, she's aggressive, she's like I don't know, she's got a re- like she's a range of emotions, and that's very charming. Like yeah, and see. as much as I said like they do the enemies to lovers trope, that is not really the way that. Disney princess relationships worked at that time. Um, they do the enemies to lovers trope like in The Princess and the Frog, and it's much more common in like more current Disney movies. But like if you think about it, like none of the previous, like, you know, like Ariel, even even Pocahontas, all those people, they did not do that. They were not, they didn't start out with a like, blah, 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 that's bigger, you know, like we're bantering we don't like each other Mm, making a face like they didn't they didn't do that in any of those movies so that was like kind of new for this particular genre you know i feel like it also makes sense why they do that because like dimitri is a dick yeah he's an asshole so he has to be because he's been through hard things he he gets better but yeah he so i i think yeah let's be clear he's a criminal (laughs) He, he wants to defraud a sad old woman. That I, I guess that like it not being Disney also I feel like affects a lot of people. Like mm. and it adds to its credibility because they did it without being Disney. And yes. despite people who love Disney stuff, diversity is nice and mm. Bluth stuff is so different. Yeah. And watching a Disney movie. And that is so nice. Like, watching something like Anastasia hits all the right notes without you having to, like, bow down to the the Disney style, which is great and sucks that that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, like, a lot of its flaws were from it being... Like, I think it had flaws based on the fact that 20th Century Fox made them choose from a limited selection of previously existing titles. And I think it had flaws due to just being kind of overly ambitious and stripping out 
like out like and, and like outstripping the abilities of both the technology available and the talents of the animators that were working for them, the skills of the animators that were working for them. And I would rather have them try that than do something really boilerplate and yeah as much as we like as much as we like were critical and kind of made fun of it for being kind of a mess like it's kind of a mess that was like trying really hard and that's nice it's like the on the great british bake-off where somebody's like i'm gonna make a bread tower with five different breads in (laughs) four hours and each (laughs) bread is gonna have a different part of england in its flavor and paul hollywood is like do you think you've got time for that? Do you have enough time for that? Yeah. Which, which by now they should all know is more of a statement than it is a yeah. question. They always go, oh, I think so. I hope so. And it's like, oh, this is going to go very badly. <laughs> but at least, but like, at least they, they fucking, and then some dude at the next table is like, yep, it's a two uh, loaf tower. One is flavored orange. The other is cranberry. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah. Hmm. Like, at least it's not that, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're always more critical of that guy because they're like, you didn't, like, I don't see why this took four hours, you know? (laughs) It's got to be, if it's going to be that limited, it has to be technically flawless. Perfect, exactly, yeah. Which, like, Disney really excelled at, especially in the 90s. Like, they would just be like... Uh, it's fucking, there's a mermaid, she wants to bone this guy, uh, she doesn't have a voice, and it's, like, beautiful, flawless execution. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, their songwriting chops are next to none, so. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's one of those things that I, I hate on Disney, but man, I, they, you know, they bake good two-flavored loaf breads. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) So, uh, go watch Anastasia if you want to check it out as an adult it's very interesting the songs are still amazing so go for it yeah it's um if you have the stars add-on on on hulu you can watch it there um otherwise you can rent it for four dollars on amazon so not bad like that's not a bad use of four dollars you know yeah in 1997 money that's like really cheap So you're there paying, you you're you're getting a bargain because if you had rented that from Blockbuster, it would have been like five bucks. Yeah, so you get to like, you know, you get to experience the pleasure of like a small albino bat with Hank Azaria's voice going, you're falling apart, sir, I tell you what. <laughs> I give her a wha and then a And I kick her, sir. And then I kick her, sir. And then he meets a sexy pink bat lady at the end. For Which no makes reason. no fucking sense. There's <laughs> no reason for it. it that character's not introduced. It's not even a character. It's basically just like a sex doll. Like to yeah. come in and just like pleasure him at the very That's end of the movie. That's the last scene of the movie. <laughs> it, boy. Oh my God. Mess. Oh, I love it. I love it. Oh. So, I've had a lot of fun talking about Anastasia. I hope Me you've too. had fun too. But I'm I'm um all out of content. Yep, that's everything I've that's everything I've got on it. Um as usual, thank you for being patient with us. We both have um a lot going on in our life. Um like I was I recently became engaged, so I'm trying to plan a wedding. You know, all kinds of stuff is, you know, we don't, we have jobs. We do this as a hobby. So, you know, it's not as consistent. Um, but we appreciate those of you who stick around. 
Um, if you are uh, listening to this on the main feed, we would really appreciate it if you would consider going to our Patreon and uh, becoming a patron. We don't have any tiers set up, so you can donate as little as a dollar, and it just helps us cover those hosting fees. Um, pardon me. Um, and if, uh, if you are anybody... Um, <laughs> Uh, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. It helps other people find the show. You can reach us on social media as well. We're Animates on uh, Animates Podcast on Facebook and at Animates on Twitter. And for any more lengthy inquiries, you can reach us at Animates at gmail.com with the numeral 8 instead of the letters A-T. And uh, as always, thank you for listening. I've been Paige. And I've been Chris. And this has been Animates.